0: Broadcasting from the beautiful hill country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you. Hi there, this is Patrick Timpone, and this is OneRadioNetwork.com. A few minutes behind here, sometimes on Monday. Takes me a bit to get my life in order, and I could wait till Tuesday, then my might, might get in order. Uh, good morning to you. It's the 13th of June, and we're going to have fun this week. Uh, on Wednesday, Amanda Vollmer is here, and uh, Amanda is one of the uh, growing number of doctors who are suggesting that the germ theory who is not correct and they have the evidence to kind of, well, let me put it this way. The people that are putting this out there is are people who are showing that, the idea that an isolated term called COVID or AIDS or never existed and just doesn't exist, and they've proven it. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Stefan Lanka in Germany proved it into a court. He really started this all about three, or four years ago, even before this COVID, whatever it is, started. And uh, and people have followed in his footsteps: Cowan, Kaufman, Lanka, um, or Lanka, Cowan, Kaufman, Volmer. Melissa Cell, John Paul Lando, and also happens to be our our, our guest tomorrow, um, uh, Dr. Young. And he, um, you know, we're going to talk about um, the stomach and what it really does in digestion and things tomorrow. And it's kind of different what what um, what we've been taught over the years, but he's also a show-me-the-virus kind of a guy. And uh, um, so we're, we're working on an idea with uh, attorney Tom Renz and perhaps Amanda Vollmer to um, make this our next screenplay about virus and uh, taking it to the Supreme Court. So I'm kind of looking at that and I think that's going to work. So anyway, that's that's what I'm doing here this morning. I hope you're well. If you care to join the show, 888 663 Email patrick at one radio network.com. Patrick. At OneRadioNetwork.com. First up this morning is a gentleman that I think you're going to find interesting. His name is Guy Mitchell. Mr. Mitchell is an uh, um, an engineer by trade, and he's written a book called Global Warming: The Great Deception. And about five years ago or so, he was at a some kind of a party, and you know how that goes with a party. And you get a little martini and say. Well, you know, ninety-seven percent of the uh, scientists believe that man-made global warming is real, and so what's up with that? Guy Mitchell went home and said, "You know, I don't think I'm going to look at this," and he spent the next five years looking at it. You got to be careful, Mr. Mitchell, when you go on Google and start looking at things; they take away your life.
1: Uh, <laughs> result of this book, but I understand there's a lot of passion on on the. Uh, at least one side of this issue. so maybe maybe cooler heads and science will prevail..
0: Uh-huh. So um, you know this idea, uh, Mr. Mitchell, that so many scientists believe that man, man has been responsible for this climactic uh, global warming scenario that they argue is underway, um, there are a lot of scientists. And so do you know where they come from and who's sponsoring them? And, I mean, it's a big, big, big question, but do you know what I'm asking?
1: Yeah. You know, the genesis of the global warming issue uh, really began with uh, some force in 1988 when the United Nations established the Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change. hmm and the the which is known as the UN IPCC, and the the charter for the IPCC was to, quite frankly, uh, find scientific evidence to support the claim that man had caused global warming. And since that period of time, they've been unable to do so. Uh, although they they have constructed a pretty elaborate framework of pseudoscience to try to uh, substantiate the claim, Uh, scientific analysis using first principles of thermodynamics, spectroscopy, atmospheric physics, demonstrates that the CO2 molecule has essentially no impact whatsoever on the climate of the Earth. It's all about water vapor, and so uh,
0: it's all about what, sir? I, 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 that that term escaped us in the sound. You said it's all about what?
1: Water vapor. The amount of water Water vapor that's in the atmosphere is what control. Well, it moderates the temperature of the Earth. Uh, There's about twenty five thousand parts per million of water vapor in the atmosphere, and about four hundred parts. Per million of CO2. Uh, But most importantly, water vapor, the absorption spectrum of the long wave IR radiation, uh, that's redundant somewhat, that is emitted by the Earth and absorbed by CO2 and water vapor, the the absorption spectrum for water vapor is much broader and it absorbs. Photons of energy are photons that are of a higher energy level so science clearly demonstrates along with uh, Radiative heat transfer calculations That calculate the impact of co2 emissions on the earth's environment that uh, Science clearly demonstrates that co2 is is not a a fact
0: so when you say science uh Guy Mitchell, um, obviously different science from what um, the UN and, and the global warming people put forth of thousands of studies, right? So what are the difference? Who are the two groups of scientists that we're talking about?
1: Well, I guess it essentially breaks down into those that are proponents <laughs> of global warming and <laughs> that are not. Okay. But the proponents the global warming hypothesis have constructed this rather complicated hypothesis that assumes there's an interrelationship between CO2 molecules in the atmosphere and subsequent concentration of water vapor with the result that there are increased emissions of this long-wave infrared radiation in the form of photons that are readmitted down to the Earth's surface and heat the Earth's surface up. Now, the scientists that adhere to the first principles of the scientific disciplines that I've just enumerated uh, can prove based on established proven fact in science that those emissions have a a very, a de minimis impact on the Earth's uh, surface temperature and none on the ocean, because 71% of the Earth's surface is covered by ocean and long-wave infrared radiation emitted by CO2 molecules in the atmosphere cannot penetrate the surface of the ocean to a depth greater than 100 microns, which is about the diameter of the human hair. So they're, they're the, the uh, established science Contradicts every claim that the global warming hypothesis makes as regards the science of uh, global uh, and, related to global warming.
0: And would these established scientists work for organizations that we would recognize names? So, who are they?
1: I, absolutely, I, you know, I quote uh, extensively, Dr. Richard Lindzen. Uh, who was the Sloan uh, Professor of Atmospheric Physics at MIT for 30 years. Hmm. Dr. Lindzen has been been very public about his views about the global warming hypothesis and uh, refutes them. Dr. William Happer, uh, and there's a thread here that we can explore, who is a professor uh, from Princeton University very distinguished academic a scientist, also refutes the global warming hypothesis. And in fact, he says that, you, you know, he, in his opinion, more CO2 would be beneficial for the environment. So uh, you have very credentialed, highly credentialed academics uh, who have opposed the global warming hypothesis based on fundamental sci- scientific principles.
0: Mm-hmm. So... Are most of the the papers that the pro global warming hypothesis people quote, like the fellow you met at the at the dinner party <laughs> five years ago, are, are these? Where do they come from? Are they universities that are subsidized by pro global warming people like the UN and globalists and governments, whoever?
1: Yeah, virtually all of the funding for global warming comes from either the government or uh, NGOs, and they support uh, they support the consensus. And so, it would be, as I say in my book, it would be tantamount to uh, professional suicide for an academic, a young academic, entering the climate science community today or, or someone in presently that's in the climate science community who depends on, obviously, uh, government and NGOs for financial support, it would be career suicide for them to, mm. to oppose the hypothesis.
0: NGOs... So to, go ahead. Go ahead, sir.
1: No. no that's,
0: okay, well, NGOs are non-government to organizations. Important. That would be like... Mm, Maybe a CDC or somebody like that, right?
1: Yeah, it might be it might be foundations that have been established to, uh, uh, like perhaps the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yes, sir. Uh, it could be any nonprofit organization that has uh, is supports the global warming hypothesis.
0: So, people like a Soros or a Gates, or let's not pick on them. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But, you know, rich people that are into global warming, the Zuckerbergs of the world, um, they can give to big money to organizations and then fund these uh, these studies.
1: Yeah, and in defense of, uh, and I, I didn't mean to single out Bill Gates That's in right. particular, there are a lot of intelligent people who have been fooled by this uh this global, the fraudulent global warming hypothesis. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, the, the some of the scientific organizations, a lot of the media have done a great job of, of promoting this fraudulent hypothesis. And, and you know, with claims like 97% of the world scientists uh, agree that man's caused global warming. So, you know, the difficulty for those that may not have the technical education to evaluate all the elements of the hypothesis is that uh, you assume it's true. And uh, you know it's, and, and it's, a, it's, it's, as I say, in my book, uh, why we should care, all of us, is that when pseudoscience is used by government, or regulators, to uh, limit certain uh uses of energy sources like fossil fuel or limit other uh, activities we all see an erosion of our personal liberties and that's and that's what's happened or or is projected to happen should uh the green new deal and some of these other legislative proposals be enacted
0: yes sir we've had people on the show argue um that There's not enough alternative or green energy to power the world. It's just just not there. You tell me if you agree with that. And then this could just be a way, just one faction of it, to limit what you can use and then more control and power that these people seem to want to do. Is that fair, do you think?
1: Patrick? The, I, the first thing, in my opinion, and that's why I was motivated to write this book, is that the world has to do is renounce the war of, on carbon. You know, carbon-based fuels have been a boon to mankind uh, since the first caveman built a fire. Hmm. And... You know, the use of wood, the use of lignite, the use of coal, the use of oil, natural gas, uh, you know, all of these fuels have, have propelled man's exploration of the planet and space and, and, and are responsible for the standard of living we all enjoy. And the idea that the carbon atom is, is certainly, has is suddenly become demonized needs to be expunged from our thinking. You know, if one can set aside the 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 false premise that CO two or carbon emissions cause global warming, then you can begin to look at alternative energy sources like wind and solar, uh, and uh, alternative means of transportation like electric automobiles in the proper context, which is what is the best economic use of these particular uh sources or activities uh within the mix of our energy and transportation needs Mm -hmm. Uh, there's you know i happen to be a, a proponent of electric cars particularly in large urban areas because they don't have products of combustion that internal engines have and and they don't have the impact on the respiratory systems of the citizens of those areas. Yeah, sir. That has nothing to do with global warming. Yeah. But that's just a, a question of a, of a good application. And as long as, it's, as, long as all of these uh, issues are addressed from a common sense engineering and economic standpoint... There's a place for for all of them in certain situations, certain applications.
0: Certainly, certainly, it's the old idea of not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? That kind of that kind of thing. We're talking with Guy Mitchell. Uh, his book is called Global Warming: The Great Deception. You should get it. So next time you go to a party and somebody t- t- mm-hmm. <laughs> says, says, you know, 97% of the scientists think that the Earth is warming by man-made, you can. Talk to him about it. Here, have another martini. Let me give you some ideas. Um, and you know what's interesting? You mentioned some very intelligent people. I know some very intelligent people that believe in man-made global warming. I do. And they're very sweet. And I love them. But, uh, you know, I don't argue with them because I don't have the skills to do that. I just say, okay, you know.
1: <laughs> you know I mean? Well, you know, the, the, the issue is taken on a, a cause celebrity. Really, it's, yes. it, it's assumed a religious fervor. And uh, the people the, the, the mantra from from the global warming proponents is, you know, global warming is upon us and we have to take immediate action. We don't have time to research this. Yes. You know, if we're going to avert thermal destruction of the Earth, we've got to act now. And I make that point in my book that y- y- the rationale is, OK, if we're right, we save the world from thermal destruction and if if we're not right if the hypothesis is faulty at least we've eliminated this bad actor in our energy chain and that's the carbon atom which is which is really a, a very ludicrous uh conclusion to reach
0: wow i mean i, I shouldn't even ask this question but because I, I you know i been researching this COVID thing, and I don't think there's been a germ out there, but how could you run a whole thing, a whole worldwide man-made global warming thing on a false premise? I mean, that's really interesting, isn't it? Whoa.
1: It is, and, and, and I think the reason is, is that there's a, uh, there's a coalition and I don't know that it's necessarily uh Uh, It's conspiratorial in nature, but you have, first of all, the UN IPCC with many scientists from around the world Mm -hmm. who've embraced false, the fraudulent hypothesis. Then you have certain world politicians, uh, Francois Macron, Angela Merkel, uh, you know. uh, Joe Biden. May. And, uh, and, and, of course, President Obama and, and President Biden, mm-hmm. who all support it and have articulated the need to eliminate the carbon, or greatly produ- reduce it eliminate the carbon loss of fuels. So you have this impetus, then you also have uh, a, a portion of the media who promotes this hypothesis uh, without an understanding of the facts, as, as is the case with all the other proposals. I think. So, you know, there's it's it's gained a momentum that's just proportionate to the quality of the science that purportedly underpins
2: it.
0: Yes, sir. And,
1: yes. Uh, you know, and people get intimidated. I mean, somebody says, Patrick, how you, you say, well, I'm not sure a man's caused global warming. And then someone will say to you, well, Patrick. Are you saying that you know more than 97% of the world's scientists I, about this?
2: Situation? I know.
1: So, you know, people are intimidated, debate is truncated, and it becomes a fait accompli. No, yeah. It's really an amazing phenomenon is what it is.
0: Well, you know, and, and this um, this ownership of the media is a big deal. I mean, really. I mean... I listen to NPR when I'm in the car just to see what they're up to, you know? And yep. I tell you what, there's not a day that goes by that they don't mention global warming is really being scary and we got to deal with it. It's day after day after day after day, boy.
1: It's become the punching bag for, it's become the, uh, mm. you know, the poster boy for a lot of what is supposedly wrong in the world today. Yeah. And, the, the problem is, is that the, uh, the logical extension of the war on carbon that's been uh, promulgated by these politicians and global investment firms that trade carbon credits is that it's got, it'll have a significant adverse impact on the world's economy, on the standard of living of everybody, not just in uh, the developed countries, but particularly in the de- in, in the developing countries, and it's going to have a, a, an effect on our national security interests, uh, our standard of living. It's 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 problematic, and I don't think I don't think a lot of people who promote well, obviously, the people that promote the hypothesis don't understand the science behind it. Or they refute refuted, but I don't think they understand the logical uh, uh, implications of of what, taken to its fullest extent, how this could affect the world in so many ways.
0: Yes, sir. Um, I had no idea that the that the uh, UN was behind all of this, and we've we've heard just so many stories and talked to people, Mr. Mitchell, over the years that the UN. There, let am see how to say this. It's I think it's not a very good organization. I don't think they have our best interests at heart here.
2: <laughs>
0: well, I'm being you kind, know, you know.
1: Yeah, uh, Patrick, I have tried to be very careful in writing my book uh, and any discussions I've had to keep this, keep my comments in this situation from being politicized because it affects everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are obviously uh, certain politicians and political parties that have picked up the mantra of global warming. But it it is, uh, I don't think people understand. First of all, we couldn't get rid of fossil fuels in the United States in the short term, meaning in 10 or 20 years if we wanted to. 61%. Mm -hmm of the electricity that was generated in the United States in 2021 was uh, came from fossil fuel sources. So even if you pass a mandate today, saying that uh, but as President Biden has uh, suggested that by 2030, we would have zero carbon emission uh, power grid, that's not gonna happen. But but what will happen uh, if that mandate were to come into being, would be that uh, it would blow up the worldwide carbon trading market because the natural uh, evolution of such a proposal, people, uh, you're not going to eliminate 60% of the production of electricity. It takes a long time to build I've worked in a power plant. It takes a long time to build one, and it would you couldn't replace the generating capacity with wind and solar. So what will happen is, is the natural, the, the logical outcome of this will be that carbon credits will be mandated to be purchased by electricity suppliers to offset carbon emissions. So right away, the cost of your electricity is going to go up. Oh,
0: so that's and, the whole that's carbon the- credit idea. Yeah, I want to, yeah. dig- I want to dig into that a little because I don't quite understand it. Will you just stay right there, sir? We're going to make a quick break and uh, we're talking with guy mitchell this is fun stuff huh global warming the great deception his book guy mitchell patrick timpone one radio network.com this is a great product i just ordered my bottle that was on sale um just got it in last week this is a good product
3: Before I start my work day, I like to get my workout in. It makes me much more effective throughout the rest of the day. Now, one of my favorite supplements to use in conjunction with my training is Sir Thrival's Elk Antler. These are sustainably and humanely harvested from US free-range animals. Now, what's interesting about elk, deer, moose, all these animals we call the cervids, is they're the only mammals who have an organ that actually falls off and regenerates every year. These elk antlers grow out in just a matter of a couple of months. In order to grow like that, they need growth factors, steroidal compounds that cause that rapid growth. Those can actually be harvested, freeze dried, and put into solution that you can actually utilize in your own body. Now, there's been a back and forth history with this being banned for doping in professional athletics. Currently, it is legal, except that it is really rich in IGF-1, which is a banned substance. Of course, this is a natural substance. This is not a steroid, but when you look at natural substances, you won't find anything more powerful than elk antler for recovery, for lean muscle growth and maintenance, for metabolic enhancement, and for recovery after injuries and surgery. This is incredible stuff. If you're looking for a natural supplement that boosts your metabolism, helps you grow lean body mass, burns that increases libido and energy levels and helps your body regenerate from your workouts or from injuries or surgeries, take a look at Sir Thrival's Elk Antler.
0: It is a great product and uh, not only will you get that when you go to Sir Thrival, if you want, you know, if you want it, Pine Pollen, Elk Velvet Antler, the Shaga, Reishi, four different kinds of colostrum now. We have the little spray bottle of uh, Digestive Bitters and uh, just a great, great company. Uh, Sir Thrival on one radio network.com. We have been uh, selling, promoting sulfur for, oh man, I don't know. How's it been? 10 years now? Something like that. It's a good one. It's uh, one of the few that uh, have uh, no excipients in there. You know, the excipients like the, what's the one they use? Um, not in my consciousness at the moment. But the main one they use, almost all of them, kind of screws it up a little bit. Uh, we've been uh, taught by Stephanie Seneff of MIT of how the GMOs and the glyphosates kind of mess up the sulfur cycle. Sulfur is critical to getting rid of all kinds of yucky stuff that we might breathe in from in the air and the water and food and stuff. So it's, And then hair, skin, skin and nails really have a good time as well. So it's a great product. You just take a teaspoon or a tablespoon, whatever whatever you want, um, twice a day. And um, I've been using it every every day, well, for years and years. I think you'll like it. Hair, skin, and nails, you can really tell the difference, and it just helps the body to detox. So unless you, yeah, that's a good thing. So go on a website, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Brian Clement, who heads up the Hippocrates Institute in Florida, talked about saunas here. Elke writes it for Brian Clements. Would Brian give us some tips on what supplements we would need to take if we do saunas several times a week to replenish lost minerals from sweating?
1: Well, Dr. Rao, who you had on as a colleague
0: and a friend, we do often conferences together in Europe, and I agree. We have saunas here. I take a sauna, so you know this, no matter where I travel in the world, 365 days a
3: year. I think it's mandatory. Really? 87 percent listen closely 87 okay. percent more heavy metals and chemicals come out in an infrared
0: well no wonder we feel better when we take one wow. no wonder we do these are great units we sell them uh, quite frequently and we'll ship one to you uh, regardless of where you live the only place we haven't been able to ship for some reason is germany which is really well i'll take that back we had a, a someone in Mozambique, a gentleman in Mozambique. I don't know how we get listeners of Mozambique. Wanted to uh, get one, and they couldn't, they wouldn't accept it in their country. So people, they have different rules. But generally, unless you live in Germany and Mozambique, we'll ship this to you anywhere in the world on one radio network. Email me the uh, the price is twelve ninety five in the lower forty eight, and then around the world. Um, we can uh, ship it to you. Just uh, send me your address uh, and uh, city and zip code to patrick at oneradionetwork.com. And that's the only way you can get the $12.95 price is to email me. $1,295. Tax title license delivered in the lower 48. And if you live somewhere else, just email me and we'll hook you up. We have a lot of listeners in Canada And we ship there all the time. It's about $14.95 delivered. And, yeah, you'll really enjoy it. The relax Far Infrared Sauna on oneradionetwork.com. Broadcasting from the beautiful hill country in Texas, this is oneradionetwork.com. In the great state of North Carolina. Guy Mitchell is with us. He, he has written a book entitled The Great Deception and um, the Triumph of Dollars and Politics over Science and Why You Should Care, Global Warming, The Great Deception. Whew, politics and Dollars. You got a lot of that going on, Mr. Mitchell. Well, I heard somewhere that after this um, video that Al Gore put out uh, inconvenient truth and what was it 2006 then he got all he got all hung up and was going to get all involved in some global warming credit carbon credits in chicago is that true and he got kind of
1: well you know mr gore is had an interesting <laughs> history in his relationship with uh climate treaties, and, and carbon credits. Uh, as you may recall, while in the administration as the vice president, uh, Vice President Gore was the leading proponent of the Kyoto Treaty, which was ratified by many nations in 1997-98 period and mm-hmm. became effective in 2005. One of the interesting things uh, aspects of the Kyoto uh, Treaty was the establishment of carbon credit trading. And um, Mr. Gore in 2004, before the Kyoto Protocol became effective in 2005, formed a company called Generational Investment Management in London with a partner from uh, Goldman Sachs uh, to trade carbon credits. At that time, the worldwide market for carbon credit trading was about ten billion dollars. 10 billion dollars. 10 billion. 10
0: billion.
1: In 2019, the worldwide market for carbon credit trading was about 210 billion dollars. And it's projected to go to one trillion dollars within the next decade or less. So this has become a huge industry. Uh, It should be noted that during the term of the Kyoto Protocol, which ran from 2005 to 2012, when Canada withdrew because they realized they couldn't pay the economic penalty from exceeding their allotment, worldwide carbon emissions increased by 32%. So it's clear that uh, climate treaties have no effect on uh, global carbon emissions. But what they obviously do is they enrich global firms that engage in carbon credit trading.
0: Okay, Uh, two questions. Is Mr. Gore still involved in this? Does he have his fingers in the cookie jar? Well,
1: (laughs) interestingly enough, uh, in and I want to refer to one of my notes to make sure that I get all the facts exactly correct. But in May, uh, actually... Uh, It was in October of 2021, Generation Investment Management, the Goldman Sachs investment firm, from which where Mr. uh, Mr. Gore's partner, uh, I believe his name is David Blood, came from, he ran the asset management group within Goldman, Microsoft and Harvard Management Company, which manages Harvard's uh, endowment fund, which I think is in excess of $40 billion, formed a new climate-focused asset fund named Just Climate. And clearly what they intend to, uh, who the market they intend to target, are what is known as environmental, social, and corporate governance investors who want to invest in ostensibly in projects that benefit the environment Ie fight global warming, uh, promote uh, social addressing social inequalities, and then uh, pressuring certain uh, corporations to uh, try to reduce their carbon footprint. So this is a huge, it's a huge business. And quite frankly, it's that is probably the prime mover at this point of this global warming hypothesis
0: so tell us how the carbon credit thing works
1: okay what happens is is let's say that you are a power plant or a heavy manufacturer
0: say in texas uh, let's just say in texas
1: yeah okay. and, and yeah let's, let's take uh, in texas uh, okay and the the EPA and, and, and the Supreme Court is due to rule this month on whether the EPA can issue mandates, regulations, uh, in, in in an effort to combat global warming. But let's just say that that the the edict comes out from the government that you that you can you have to have zero net carbon emissions by uh, twenty thirty or twenty twenty five or somehow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well most manual virtually no manufacturers can change their operating practice. I mean, a a steel mill uh, is set up to operate in a certain way, and you can not all of a sudden make wholesale changes to eliminate carbon emissions. So the only alternative you have is to purchase carbon credits that offset your emissions. Let's say your emissions are 100 tons to make the illustration simple. Mm-hmm. then you have to you have to purchase carbon credit offsets well what happens is let's just say that I own property in uh, near Albany Georgia that's a pine plantation and I certify and it's 10,000 acres of pine trees and I certify that those pine trees absorb a certain amount of co2 or I get a company to certify that they do and and therefore I have now a uh, hundred carbon credits and so what I can do is I can sell those carbon credits, to Mr. Gore, who in turn can sell them to, uh, you know, uh, a firm in Texas who's in the manufacturing, or maybe one of the utilities, uh, they can purchase those carbon credits to offset their emissions. Now, it does not reduce their emissions, <laughs> but it does reduce the coffers of their treasury because they've now paid uh, a certain amount of money to buy carbon credits to theoretically offset their emissions Amazing. and benefits.
0: And I wouldn't, I would suspect Mr. Gore and his crowd, they get a little commish on the deal. They take a cut.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I believe it's the largest commodity trading market in the world. Oh, wow. And it goes like, wow. it goes like this. Suppose that in this hypothetical example I just gave you, mm-hmm. I get 100 carbon credits and, um, and they're worth uh, and, and and so I approach a, an investment firm, and I say I would like to sell you my carbon credits, and they say fine, we'll pay you uh, thirty or forty dollars uh, for each ton of carbon credit offsets that you have,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then they turn around after paying thirty or forty dollars and sell those to someone else for sixty or seventy dollars. So it's it's all about the buying and selling of a commodity, which is a carbon credit offset, just like it would be if you bought corn or soybean or hogs or oil or anything else. Wow. So, but well, I think it's unregulated. At least it is in many parts of the world.
0: But it all goes through this this platform that Gore is involved in and the rich guys set up. What do they call that?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, they, they, they have names that... Uh, promote the concept that they're benefiting the environment like just climate but it's not just climate it's just money it just <laughs> happens <to me laughs> under the auspices of uh, addressing climate change worldwide
0: and mr mitchell how many billions right now are being traded with these these mythical credits yeah i
1: mean it- in 2019, the market was reported to be $210 billion, but it's, it's rapidly escalating. And projections are that within a decade, it'll be a trillion dollars. So you can appreciate the fact that it's, it's, a, it's a huge market with significant uh, profitability for everybody involved.
0: And it's all based on fairy dust. And just make police. Yeah,
1: I mean, the the problem is, if you look, Patrick, there are four world databases, temperature databases, that track the temperature of the atmosphere, Uh, actually the lower atmosphere called the troposphere, which is the first eight kilometers of the atmosphere from the surface of the earth, Mm -hmm. the landmass, and the oceans. And since... 1979, when NOAA launched satellites to measure the temperature of the lower troposphere using what are called microwave sounding uh, units, that that essentially uh, 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 assay the the uh, radiation emission from the troposphere, and you and you can uh, translate that to temperature. Uh, there have been there have been virtually no change in the temperature of the troposphere, landmass, or oceans, and so it's not just hmm. that scientific analysis, unbiased scientific analysis using the scientific method, refutes the global warming hypothesis. So does the data, the historical data, and it's uh, the changes in the temperature of each of these components of the biosphere. Are, are, have been de minimis and, and, and arguably within the measurement margin of error. So it, if if there were objective data that supported the global warming hypothesis, even if the scientific construct was Wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. suspect, uh, there, there's not. So, you know, if it doesn't look like a duck and if it doesn't look like a duck, it's probably not a duck. And here we have a case where uh, there's this, uh, 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 well, scam, scientific, it's the, it's the biggest fraudulent hypothesis since a piltdown man in England in the early 1900s where some anthropologists put together some bones and said he would found the missing link. I mm. mean, it, it's really, it's, uh, it is really amazing mm. that, it is, it's
0: amazing that it's gotten legs and gone as far as it has. We, we posted, somebody sent me a picture of the Statue of Liberty 100 years ago and where the water level was, you know, right at the base. And it hasn't moved a fraction in 100 years. I mean, is that relevant or is that just anecdotal stuff that doesn't matter? Is that, is that a good argument for no global warming?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I address the empirical... Uh, evidence, uh, if you will, of global warming uh, that's uh, proposed or promoted by proponents of the hypothesis in in a chapter in my book. Mm -hmm. And I point out that a lot of the claims like uh, ice melts in the Arctic and uh, rising sea levels and, uh, you know, changes in in the temperature, and so forth and so on can be directly attributed to naturally occurring uh, phenomenon uh, in our our environment with with things like the Atlantic multi-decadal oscillation, where the temperature about every 60 years of the Atlantic Ocean in in a particular area uh, flips about 2 degrees centigrade and that's because of the thermodynamics which are very complicated the thermodynamic dynamic interactions between the atmosphere well it's really related to the sun's irradiance heating the ocean up and how that moves so uh dr steve coonan published a book called unsettled uh a year or more ago that did a good job of refuting all these claims of and i have in my appendix, my appendix of my book uh, evidence to refute these anecdotal claims, but did a good job of pointing out that there there has not there has not been an increase in the rise in sea level there have not been uh, an increase in the severity of hurricanes or droughts or all this other stuff it, it's uh, it's a bogus claim hmm. and certainly not supported by science.
0: we interviewed a fellow out of Australia who um, has written several books on this years ago, and he was saying that the different, the buoys in the ocean and all that that they use, it, I think he believe I believe he said that they proved that they're, they're it's just not warming up as well, right?
1: Yeah, it, it, in in 2000, NOAA, I think that's the National Oceanic
2: and Atmospheric yeah.
1: Administration, but NOAA launched, began a program to launch uh, robots that would deploy submerged 2000 meters within the ocean. And then as it, as they come back up, yeah. they sample data on salinity, current and temperature of the ocean. And so, uh, since 2000, when all of these robots were deployed around the globe, and that was in conjunction with, uh, other nations as well. Uh, During that time, NOAA has reported that the temperature of the world's oceans overall, which is a fallacious uh, concept in science, but the average temperature change has been 0.02 degrees centigrade per decade. Now, that's 0.002 per year. Uh, that's well within, in my opinion, that's well within the, the measurement margin of error. But but even if it were accurate, mm-hmm. it, that's a de minimis change. And so, to say, and particularly given the fact that the ocean can absorb long-wave IR photons to a depth below 100 microns. So, CO2 can have no effect on the ocean's temperature. Any change in the ocean's temperature is going to be related to, to, to solar uh, irradians. And so I mean everywhere you look, there's scientific data, if you if you're unbiased about it, that refutes the global warming hypothesis.
0: So are all the organizations somehow connected with the United States government, like NASA, NOAA, and others, they're all on board promoting the man made global warning theory?
1: Yeah, and it's an interesting situation and I wouldn't Pretend to understand all of the interconnectivity, but yeah. uh, there, there are uh, there are several organizations, uh, government organizations that, as their missions have changed, uh, like NASA, which originally uh, focused on uh, you know space exploration, and and we're all familiar with the history of that as that mission sort of moved into the private sector with SpaceX and Blue Origin and and, and other uh, private firms who now uh, do a good job of launching satellites into into space. Uh, Some of these organizations in order to retain their their viability have shifted their focus to climate change. Hmm. And the problem is, is that if you depend on government funding for climate change, you are going more than likely uh, to, uh, to support the opinions of the executive branch and, and, and the the federal government as relates the uh, situation with climate change. So Hmm. it, it, doesn't require a, a big step to understand that uh, organizations like NASA and the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory and others uh, who've been charged with participating in this uh, uh, climate science activity are going to support the, the consensus, consensus the hypothesis.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. what did it start off and with an inconvenient truth? Was it man-made global warming, and then it kind of changed to global warming, and then it changed to
1: climate oh, change. Climate
0: change, right? Now it's just climate change, right? Now that's the buzzword, right? Very easy.
1: Well, and there's there's a good reason for that. Hmm. Uh, as I just said earlier, when you look at the worldwide temperature databases of the components of the Earth's biosphere, the the, the lower atmosphere, the landmass, the oceans, there hadn't been any warming. So that <laughs> presents a problem for a proponent of global warming. If there hadn't been any warming, then that, that makes it a challenge to perpetuate the hypothesis. So now it's shifted and it's been very subtle and they've been very crafty about it. It's shifted from global warming to climate change. And, you know, the supposed evidence of climate change, there are more severe and more frequent hurricanes, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, more severe extremes of temperature in various locales around the world, Uh, more droughts, Uh, all these uh, anecdotal uh, or, you know, empirical evidence. But here's the problem with that. Ultimately, one has to tie all that back to man's activities. You can say, well we're not concerned about global warming, we're concerned about climate change. But then the obvious the the obvious question is, well, what has man done to affect climate change? And if you can't tie it to man's activities, why do you declare war on the carbon atom? And so that's the fallacy Hmm. and very subtle shift in, in strategy is you still have to say, well, how has man caused climate change? And if you if you have to revert back to well CO2 is the problem, then that presents a whole another construct for a hypothesis. Well, how has CO2 caused climate change? And uh, I spend a whole chapter in my book talking about the scientific method, and 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 the benefit of it is a means to analyze sci- a sci- phenomenon, and. You know, all of this falls apart. Even if you try to segue into, well, it's not global warming now; it's climate change. Then the question has got to be, well, how does man cause climate change?
0: Yeah. So we're we're seeing, uh, you know, California's been terribly dry. I don't know for ten or twenty years, and in Arizona and Lake Mead, I think is really having a hard time. You know, and now we we got a hot thing going on here in Texas. So these these kinds of variables with hotter temperatures and less rain um could could we the people be doing anything to cause this or is this just part of the deal planet just well
1: that's a good question (laughs) and quite frankly climate science is a little bit of an oxymoron because there, there are many aspects of climate science that don't seem to have much science involved in oh, Okay, Oh, good. You know, trying to analyze weather, if the definition of climate is the is long-term average of weather, trying to analyze short-term changes in weather is very difficult to do because it was clear from my research, and I spent three years looking at all of the factors that could be involved in uh, prospectively in a in, in, in global warming or some of the uh, the adjuncts to it, like uh, you know droughts in the southwest United States, and some stuff one quickly learns that there're just a number of factors that affect weather. And it, 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 it is very difficult to be able to explain weather phenomenon uh, in, in uh, you know, using just a few uh, concepts to do it. It's, it's very, very complicated. Yeah.
0: Uh, and the old so saying is everybody talks about the weather, but nobody can do anything about it or something like that.
1: Right? Well, thankfully. Thankfully, man has not been able to affect the weather. You know, we've done a pretty poor job of, uh, uh, of managing a lot of other aspects of our society in the world. I'd, I'd hate to think that we could control the weather. That might be too much.
0: Well, that, that brings us up to this email. Uh, we we're talking with Guy Mitchell Global Warming, the Great Deception, the Triumph of Dollars and Politics Over Science, and Why You Should Care. Guy K. Mitchell, Jr. I'm sure you can get the book around town and Amazon and places. So this is from Mary. Would you ask your guess if he thinks that there are dark forces <laughs> that are manipulating the weather with various high-tech mat- and things that could be making matters worse to prove this global warming theory?
1: Well, my response would be to that is, is I, I don't know that that's the case. I, I think that, um, you know, the primary uh, effects on, on our weather uh, relate to uh, oceanic cycles. They relate to the uh, power the, of the irradiance of the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh so oh, the, the, the solar constant is not really constant. That is the value of the energy that the sun radiates down to the earth, changes somewhat. The eccentricity, the geometry of the earth's orbit about the sun probably has more effect on our climate than any other factor. And uh, certainly sunspots play a role so I think most of the uh the stimuli that, that affect our climate, affect our weather, are natural uh naturally occurring uh forces that which we have no control.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of evidence that the sunspots you can really learn a lot from them and they do affect them. I, mean, I think that they Old Farmer's Almanac have been using sunspot stuff for a hundred years, and they're pretty accurate.
1: Well, there's no question. Uh, it, it, you know, our our objective data on the impact of sunspots on the Earth's climate is, is limited to uh, the last, you know, uh, 50 or so years that we've been able to actually measure changes in the suns uh irradiance but there is anecdotal evidence and and uh going back to uh the little ice age and the medieval warm period uh you know there there there's proxy uh evidence and tree rings and carbon 14 dating and all this kind of stuff or not dating but uh, evaluation of uh you know parameters and in, in the climate that indicate the sunspots definitely play a role, mm-hmm. and so you know it's it's a it's a it's an accumulation of a lot of different things, and that's why to try to construct a mathematical model to be able to predict uh, the weather or the temperature uh, of the Earth uh, is just. Uh, uh, it's a fruitless endeavor. You, there are just too many variables of which we know too little to be able to quantify all that.
0: hmm Here's another email from Art. Is it true that in the Al Gore video, Inconvenient Truth, that he had it backwards, that um, the CO2 incre- increased after the Earth warmed rather than the other way around? I saw a video on YouTube and that's what they argued. Thanks for the show. Is that, well, is that true?
1: I haven't seen the video. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's, there's uh, a lot of uh, proxy evidence uh, because we have not, unfortunately, and even, by the way, the IPCC admits this, the historical database on temperature and other climate parameters like CO2 is either incomplete or inaccurate that's one of the difficulties about trying to i mean for years uh, the temperature of the ocean was taken with thermometers graduated in one or three or five degree increments so there's not a lot of objective data but but i, I think there's the general that there's a generally accepted view that um uh, the ocean in uh, the carbon uh, the carbon cycle on Earth involves uh, the ocean absorbing and emitting CO2, uh, plant life, absorbs CO2, and emits oxygen in the the process of photosynthesis. So there's a lot of evidence to suggest that that if the temperature of the oceans increases, that CO2 is emitted, and, and conversely, if it decreases, co2 is absorbed uh you know it it just depends on uh it depends on whose opinion you read with with regard to that Mm -hmm. matter but you know it's it's it seems apparent to me that the oceans the the value of the sun's irradiance the atmosphere and the manner in which it affects the amount of solar radiation that uh, enters the ocean and the oceans are the three factors that affect the Earth's climate. Mm -hmm. That's pretty apparent. Yeah,
0: so there there are some uh, well-caring environmentalists that are concerned, for example, cutting down the rainforest in Brazil and places like that, and which will not let them absorb as much CO2, which is a fair argument but that doesn't mean that the CO2 that is not absorbed is causing a problem. They're not, you can't put those together, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, there's an important distinction in science between correlation and causation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When two phenomenon occur at the same time, that's called, that's called correlation. Uh, when a phenomenon occurs and it, causes another phenomenon to take place that's causation and so it's very difficult it's very difficult to say what is caused and that's one of the problems with this global warming hypothesis you know if in pre-industrial times the concentration in the atmosphere was 280 parts per million of carbon dioxide and now it's 410 parts per million the question is how much of that is due to man-made anthropogenic causes and how much is natural? And to try to evaluate that would be quite a challenge. So, you know, clearly uh, the, 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 the scientific uh, knowledge is that plant matter, living, living plant matter, absorbs CO2 and emits oxygen. So theoretically, to the extent that you remove trees from the environment, uh you remove a carbon sink but the question is is are there are there other is there other living plant matter that's being uh created planted at the same time that offsets that and we just don't have the data i mean that is a uh how would you know that would be a a challenge to try to quantify that around the world
0: that's right unless unless on your new iphone you have to have to put it in there every time you plant a tree. You know, something like that. But I don't think we want to do that. (laughs) Uh, Hi, Patrick. Please ask Mr. Mitchell, other than Amazon, where can the book be purchased? Some people have a thing about Amazon. you know.
1: I can't answer that question. We're just... Just getting this book published has been quite a challenge because I've had to publish it myself. You can understand that since I... Uh, uh, uh oppose the uh, prevailing consensus it's uh i had no chance of getting this book published by, by by publishing house today but it is on amazon.com and it's in the form of a paperback or an ebook uh we should be getting the hardcover copies any day now and i i have an agent who is assisting me with all this since I, i'm a I'm a neophyte in in, in in book publishing and distribution. But presumably, if there's enough demand, it'll be in bookstores around the country.
0: Oh, so you just have to get enough sales generated. So you don't think you could go to a big book publisher and they're going to go with this? It's just too, too, too.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, the, it, it, it's an interesting phenomenon in our culture today that, uh, you know, we... Uh, uh, many of the uh, information outlets—I'll refer to them that way—both uh, media and the internet and so forth—we've uh, experienced what calls what, what has been called the cancel culture, mm-hmm. where if if one has an opinion that runs counter to uh, the uh, accepted view about a matter, uh, you get you get canceled. And so that's why I understand Google has announced that they are not going to uh, allow uh, any information that opposes the global warming hypothesis to be uh, advertised or, or listed. Really? Yeah. Really? And so, yeah, and it's it is kind of an offshoot of, of many of these social media outlets like Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, uh, Facebook have banned certain uh, information that they view to be misinformation. And that's kind of interesting because I tell people, think about this. Uh, Sir Isaac Newton put forward his his uh, theory of gravity in uh, 1687 when he published the Principia Mathematica, and, and, and he uh, – countered what had been 14, would have been 400 years of theory about uh, gravity and and, uh, the Earth, whether the Earth, uh, whether the solar system rotated around the Earth, revolved around the Earth, and vice versa. So Einstein comes along in, in 1915 and publishes his general theory of relativity, which contradicted Newton's Linear theory of gravity, which would, had been around for 250 years. So imagine if the if the council culture were present when Einstein tried to publish his general theory of relativity in 1915, the world would be a different place in terms of how we view the force of gravity. So it's uh, it should be alarming to every American that that, that opposing views, you know, that don't involve uh, 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 uh the promotion of uh uh you know of hatred or ra- you know racism all the things that m- most m- americans uh, abhor, uh, you, you know it's it's hard to get it out there hmm. and so that's uh, yeah. that's the challenge that i faced is that i'm swimming upstream and i understand that
0: i so like abc and cbs are not Knocking on your door to be on the to promote your book—it's not happening, right?
1: <laughs> not so far, and, <laughs> and you know, I read—I read with interest that uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, the fellow who who bought a—I'll uh, think of his name in a minute—but he's a media mogul, if you will. I think just bought control, bought controlling interest in CNN, and oh, um, oh. yeah. He owns uh, Malone with Liberty Media. And he said, you know, I read a quote anyway, that said, I'd like to see CNN return to its roots as, uh, you know, that employs journalism in reporting its news. In other words, get, get away from this extreme bias. And so until that happens in much of the media, it's gonna be very difficult about the only stimulus to do that would be if somebody like Malone changes the ownership structure and dictates it. So it's it's uh, yeah. it's pretty hard to get an ear from uh, much of the media uh, to contradict the prevailing consensus. Yeah.
0: Well, the way CNN is going, if they don't do something, they won't exist. You know, I mean, they are. There are young girls with cats that look like Hitler on YouTube. They get more hits than they do. You know, so I, I, I don't know how they're even surviving. You know, well maybe we get you on Tucker Carlson. He'd, he'd be, he'd be good. He He's not a global warming guy. He's one of the few. You know,
2: I'd love
1: to, to be able to appear on on uh, uh, Tucker Carlson or, or Jesse Waters or any of the Fox because I uh, not because I necessarily have a uh, conservative view of politics, although I happen to. I'm a proponent of less government, actually.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I would love to be able to have a national audience to put forward some of these, what I believe to be facts, that contradict the global warming hypothesis and, 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 and stimulate a national conversation about it in an effort to avert what I'm concerned will be uh, very serious consequences for all of us uh, from an energy, I mean you went through the situation in Texas uh, where they artificially constrained fossil fuel generation uh, in favor of wind and solar, but um, you know, reconfiguring the power grid, uh, raising energy costs, eliminating fossil fuels, uh, all of that is a uh, should be of concern to all of us. And, and that's why my book is subtitled, the triumph of dollars in politics over science and why you should care because what the government is doing is using pseudoscience to try to promote the global warming hypothesis and eliminate some of the freedoms that we as Americans have to choose how we heat our homes, how our power grid is fueled. Uh, perhaps our transportation uh, you know electric cars versus internal combustion engines is pretty far reaching.
0: Yeah and so I think it's obvious that there are forces somewhere you can call them globalists or whatever that have pretty much all of the the leaders in all the countries on board with this. Is there any country that is not doing the global warming thing? I mean
1: well, I think there are, <laughs> are, but they're pretty crappy about it. Now, <laughs> I, I think it would be the height of naivete uh, for Americans to believe that China, Russia, well, India, the the, the, the mm-hmm. president of India has said that they're, they cannot engage in a wholesale effort to eliminate fossil fuels for a period of time. But I think it would be the height of naivete for us to think that the Chinese, the Russians, the Indians, whoever are our economic competitors are gonna destroy their economy under this false concept that global warming. And, and, And so what's, and even President Biden and climate envoy John Kerry have said if we in the United States just act unilaterally, uh, without the rest of the world following suit, we're not going to have any change in carbon emissions, and uh, forget the concept of global warming. And so, it's uh, it's really ludicrous. And 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 this thing, if it weren't so serious, it would be it would be laughable. Yes. But it's a very serious issue.
0: Hmm is there any evidence that carbon emissions never mind global warming are of any danger to mankind like have we done damage in any way to earth with coal fire plants and natural gas and wood burning stoves and cow farts or whatever i mean have we messed things up
1: no i mean in fact (laughs) there's a lot of scientific evidence that more CO2 would be good for the environment. I mean, if you start off with the uh, acceptance that the physics, the science, uh, employing first principles of science in the relevant fields, as I said, of thermodynamics, spectroscopy, atmospheric physics, quantum mechanics, all (laughs) demonstrate CO2 has no effect on the Earth's climate. Now, let's just then look at the, the effect that it has on humankind. Uh, for starters, uh, you know, CO2 is necessary for animal and plant life on Earth to, to, to support photosynthesis because plants absorb CO2 and emit oxygen. We need that to breathe. Uh, the other thing that I think is is very important is that if you look at the greening of the earth, you can look at NASA photographs and I didn't have enough room to put all this in my book, but you you can look at the change in the greening of the earth around the globe based on satellite photographs that NASA, NASA has taken from 1980 to 2020. And you see the earth has undergone a substantial greening effect. Agricultural production is at world has like never before. People are being fed that before uh, the the agricultural products weren't weren't available. I, you know, in a commercial greenhouse right now, the the average CO2 concentration is a thousand parts per million. Now, the concentration in our atmosphere of CO2 is 410 parts per million, based on the latest measurement. So. A greenhouse has a concentration of two and a half times what we have. The Navy stipulates that a submarine can't have more than five thousand parts per million over an eight-hour day to protect the health of the sailors. So that is what ten point two times what the concentration of the hmm. CO2 in the atmosphere is. So from a from a health standpoint. It has no effect from food production. It improves it, generation of oxygen to supply oxygen for 7 billion people. By the way, uh, breathing, human breathing produces about, when we respire, we we breathe out carbon dioxide. That produces about half of the proposed anthropogenic emissions, so. There's no science to support any of this. None.
0: <laughs> are we humans are the problem because we're breathing, right?
1: Yeah, if everybody would uh, hold their breasts, you know, then then would then there would be less CO2 emitted. Uh, of course, that's a fallacy because it'll build up in your bloodstream and ultimately you'll aspire when you breathe. But yeah, it's uh, there's not a lot of science in, in most of this.
0: I guess the most troubling aspect, uh, from my perspective, Mr. Mitchell, before we go, is that there's just not there's just not a conversation about this serious. Just people talking and let me show you this and I'll show you that. I mean, have we just lost our minds? I mean, with this cancel culture media, how uh, how are we going to get out of this uh, crazy crazy land, boy?
1: Well, crazy. Land. You know, first thing is, I think everybody ought to read my book. Yes, sir. <laughs> but. Having said that, I think that everyone needs to, and and I guess the, the knowledge has to come from somewhere. Perhaps it comes from even my book, but but I think all of us have to be less willing to accept uh, pseudoscience that is used by the government uh, to promote but not just our government, but governments oh, in Europe yeah. to, to promote a, an agenda. I'll give you an example. Um, if I told you in, in, in December of 2019 that within the next three or four months that state, local, and federal governments in the United States would close the schools, would dictate which businesses could operate and which couldn't and their hours of operation could dictate what houses of worship whether they could open or not what their hours of operation would be and how many people could assemble there would dictate how many people could assemble in public uh Hmm. and that masks would have to be worn in certain venues, and people would have to observe certain social distancing, you would have said God, that's not possible. No, I All of those abridgments of our constitutional rights. And if they tried to do that, the courts would overturn that in a heartbeat. But yet it happened. And the reason it did is in response to an existential threat, which happened to be the Coronavirus pandemic. Now, today, we're beginning to find out that social isolation, mass and some other of the prescribed, uh, 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 cures for this existential crisis may not have been based on sound science. We'll cut to today. President Biden and climate envoy John Kerry have declared that global warming is a crisis and is an existential threat to mankind. So, uh, It doesn't take too much of a stretch to envision a scenario where uh, you'll have all these uh, uh, regulations put in place about what businesses, how much carbon you can emit or or, or reach a net zero carbon target by buying carbon emissions, what automobiles you can drive, maybe outlaw the internal combustion engine and require you to drive a. And the list, your imagination can grow. Now, (laughs) particularly if we do that in isolation, and the rest of the world doesn't pursue such a uh, uh, an agenda it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a climate scientist to figure out what the logical result is but but it, but it's an abridgment of your and my personal freedoms and the government would theoretically do that because they're addressing an existential crisis well what's next is it a Is it uh, obesity in the United States? Does that become an existential health crisis? And so, therefore, certain foods are outlawed. You know, Texans like beef. You can't eat meat. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. And, 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 And the employment of pseudoscience to achieve any objective of the government is why each of us should be concerned, because it's a slippery slope. Once you start doing it, who's going to decide what the crisis is? what's going to be the science de jure that will uh, s- support the actions that are proposed
0: so i think it's just going to we'll take a bunch of americans 100 or 200 million to say no we're not doing that you know? <laughs> we're, we're just not going to do it
1: yeah people have to educate themselves we, we perhaps our populace is a little too trusting of what the media tells us uh you know we, we need to question uh some of these uh I mean, you can see the clear evidence now of, of what's happening as the world is, is embargoed oil from Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you see what's happening to the European economy. That that's, would be a de facto, that, that would be a very good example of what happened if one artificially constrained use of fossil fuels. You see how the Germans and, and others in Europe are trying to scramble to replace the oil and with natural gas, which is a fossil fuel-based fuel, by the way, uh, so it, it doesn't—it doesn't take much to envision a scenario that's not very appealing as to uh, the results of government intervention and uh, well, our energy systems uh, and our way of life, actually.
0: Yes, sir. Oh, this one just came in. Let's throw this out before we go from uh, Cecilia. So, what are some other places you mentioned? The uh, the pine forest that people actually get global credits. Yeah, that's a good question. So where do people get these credits? There's got to be more than just pine tree forest.
1: Well, you know, any, any carbon sink, that is any, any, any matter that absorbs CO2 uh, can be the basis for obtaining a carbon credit. So um i am told and i've not done research on this that that farmers who plant certain crops uh can get carbon credits for the co2 that the crops absorb and in some cases i understand it to be more profitable than actually the agriculture itself so Hmm. but but a carbon sink just other than the ocean uh, just about by definition is living plant matter. So, living plants. Uh, you know, you've got uh, universities scrambling to uh, buy property and, 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 and get the the trees and plants on that property uh, declared as carbon sinks and create so many carbon credits. But it but it basically gets back to uh, green plant matter. Green
0: plant matter. So maybe that's why. Uh, Bill Gates is reportedly buying thousands of acres of farmland, maybe because he just wants more carbon credits or something. Who knows?
1: Well, I, you know, I told a friend of mine, jokingly, who is in the foundry business, uh, his his family has a large foundry here in the United States, several, and uh, I said, you know. If the EPA rule, I mean, if the Supreme Court rules, the EPA can regulate industry with respect to carbon emissions to combat global warming. You need to go down to Georgia and buy 25,000 acres of property below the Nat Line in Georgia, near Albany, and establish a quail farm. Uh, you know, a quail hunting plantation. You can uh, you <laughs> can use the carbon credits from the Pine trees and food plots on your property uh, to offset your emissions from your foundry, and you can have fun hunting quail.
2: Hunting quail so, too.
1: <laughs> you know, I like it. That's, uh, I, I, of course, I say that in a joking way. I, I certainly hope it doesn't come to that.
0: Boy, that's you know that's the last thing we need is just think any more crazy land that it is, Mister Mitchell. I just wow, man. Um Well, I wish you the best with your book, and someday I'll see you on Tucker Carlson. I'll say, "See, we we were on top of this guy." Here. Guy Mitchell, his book is called "Global Warming: The Great Deception." Guy Mitchell, thanks for being on the show and for all your work, and and uh, best of luck getting your book out there.
1: Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show.
0: Been an honor, sir. Thank you. Take care, Guy Mitchell. Patrick Timpone, oneradionetwork.com pretty cool guy huh? good stuff I want to get the book Guy Mitchell The Great Deception you can get that and next time you're at a, at a dinner party you could have some some juice there you know somebody says you know 97% of the uh, scientists in the world say that man-made global warming is real he said it's just all fairy dust all about the carbon credits Okay, kids, we will see you tomorrow. We're going to have fun. We're going to talk to uh, Robert... It's not his first name, Is Young, isn't it? Yeah, Robert Young. Robert Young, just like, just like the old series, Robert Young. Remember, Father Knows Best. And we're going to talk about the stomach and what it is really in the gut. And also, he's uh, another um, person who suggests with all of his research that, you know what? There's no germ. There's just no germ out there. No, no germ. No germ. Never was. So, we'll have lots to talk about. So, come by, 10 o'clock if you want, and we'll uh, we'll chat it up. So, see you tomorrow. Take care of yourself. And uh, Amanda Volmer on Wednesday, and who knows, we may pop in with another person or two. Sometimes we do two shows. You know, we got a lot of emails out there. You never know who pops up. So I'll see you. Hope you enjoyed Guy Mitchell, and I love you all very much. See you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Let me know if I can help with something. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Now that you know that the whole man-made global warming thing is an absolute scam, you can just check that one off the list. Check it off the list. Think about something. Just, Just check it off From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.